how U.S. military and military veterans are our country's greatest assets. But service comes with a price. Post-traumatic stress is our enemy, and our mission today is Operation Healing Heroes. Brought to you by Great Clips. Hey everyone, it's Jay Garstecki, and welcome to another edition of the Operation Healing Heroes podcast, where we document the lives of our U.S. military veterans one story at a time. In addition, we provide resources for veterans and their family members who might be struggling with post-traumatic stress so they can get the help that they absolutely deserve. Be sure to check out our TV show, Operation Healing Heroes, on Discovery Channel, Waypoint TV, Wired to Fish TV, Amazon Prime, and YouTube. Join me today as we feature David Michaels, a U.S. Navy veteran who also spent some time in the U.S. Army National Guard, and after 25 total years of service and 11 deployments, David is still giving back today by volunteering his time with 22-0 to assist other veterans, police, fire, and first responders who are struggling with post-traumatic stress. Join me today as we feature David and hear his story. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's gonna be great. And by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com. And we are talking to David Michaels. David, thank you again for joining us, brother. I certainly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and, and share your story, buddy. I appreciate it. How you doing, Jay? Thanks for, uh, thanks for the invite. Hey, man. It was an honor. You and I met last week uh, doing some 22-0 training, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, man, after hearing your story just a little bit, you and I got to, to work together a little bit on uh, trying to help each other as we were learning the process of TRP and e EMP therapy, and uh, we helped each other out, I think, I think it's pretty safe to say we each helped each other out. It was it was great. I mean, I know I slept really well Absolutely. that night and got a Absolutely. lot of benefits, so that was cool. But uh, yeah, so just to give our listeners a little bit of background uh, on you, uh, you were in the uh, the Navy from May of eighty nine to December of nineteen ninety five. Uh, you immediately signed a six year contract with the Army National Guard after your uh, active duty with the Navy, and you entered Officer Candidate School. In June of 2004, uh, you resigned your commission and swore in once again as a U.S. Navy uh, at a second-class petty officer. And then in 2015, you were medically retired. Um, sounds like a hell of a career. I know that you had 11 deployments, and there's just so much to talk about here. I know starting a childhood. Uh, why don't you, if you don't mind, start with uh, growing up. What was life like growing up for, for David? So it was, uh, it was, it was quite uh, interesting. Um, both parents coming out of the South and straight South, you know, when you hear about the, you know, the hillbilly, you know, jamborees, that's literally how I grew up. You know, we go sit with the family, we'd be on the, on the front porch, you know, we'd have that washboard, that wash bucket bass drum with a string and a stick, you know, and really? they had the juice harps, ban oh yeah, banjos and, and guitars, and we'd just be out in the front yard of, you know, so, Uncle Berlin's house, and we'd just be stomping. What state is this? Is this Tennessee? Is this Alabama? Tennessee. Tennessee, okay. Tennessee, yes, sir. The hills of Tennessee. Interesting, yes, okay. And and uh, how many uh, siblings did you have? So I have I have a brother and a sister. Okay. Um, they're, uh, they're 
several years younger than me. Uh, we, we have all average four years apart. So I got my brother, and then I have my sister. And um, and you're the oldest. Huh? We grew up. I am. I am. And it, we grew up in a very strict, uh, strict household. I, it was you know you do as I say, not as I do. I was raised very strict in religion. Um, and with going to church, uh, I had expectations placed upon me that you couldn't have my driver's license unless I retained my Eagle Scout. Couldn't get my Eagle Scout because I'd have to be at church on Wednesday nights, and I had to be at church on Saturday, and I had to be church at on Sunday. And being missionary Baptist, missionary Southern Baptist to boot, we did a lot of community service work and a lot of work in the community. So in helping others out and families out and all that stuff. So an expectation of, of getting my Eagle Scout was really tough because – I wasn't able to stay gone for those six nights, seven days for to get my camping merit badge, which anybody who was in the scouts knows that's one of our mandatory merit mm-hmm. badges we have to have. Um, so it was, it was tough. It was, and like I said, my parents were very strict. Um, I, I did the best I could to keep my siblings out of the mess. Um, it, it, I would take the brunt of the fall for everybody. I hide them. It was, there was a lot of yelling and, and, and yes, you know, a lot of us were, you know, there was some, some violence and all that stuff. And there was definitely some alcoholism on both sides. And, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I, I'm a person with mommy or daddy issues. I think all in the sense that some of us somewhere along the line, we have issues somewhere along the line. But I, I was raised, uh, you know, so strict that I, it was, it was just tough. And it was all I could do to, uh, to get out. Um, and so I joined the military. I actually went. I saw the recruiter in 11th grade, and I had enough credits. I could I could have you know got out and and graduated. And I, but I was only 16, so they weren't taking anybody. It wasn't like it was a World War or, or Korean War where they would sneak in and you could sign yourself up and, mm-hmm. and lie about your age because you know we're talking back in '89. They're looking at documents and they're looking at the birth certificates and that, and then they had to uh, you, you've got to sign get your parents to sign you in. Uh, that just wasn't happening. So. Uh, I had to wait another year, um, and being I went in at 17 years old, I had to I still had to get my parents to sign, and and it was one of those things that you know you're not going in the military unless you fulfill your obligations to to the church and and to the family ministry and all that stuff. And I I just I had grown up in it so much that I was you know pardon the pun but I was sick of it. Mm -hmm. I was I I couldn't have friends, uh, you know couldn't have a girlfriend. It It was just really really tight so my dad had a very a rather large business and, and he would always be busy with the business he worked hard he, my mom was fortunate to stay home um, but that also took the toll also so she was home with the with us you know and we were all american 70s you know growing up in the 70s boys and and you know and, and a girl and we were a handful you know and we grew up and you know when things were good you can go outside and play and that's what we did and and uh you come back when the street lights are on and then mm-hmm. that was dinner time. And there was, there were two things for dinner. It was take it or leave it. <laughs> and that's, that's what we grew up with. But, uh, I, I, I had to get out. I, I had to spread my wings. Um, I knew my brother and sister were going to take the brunt of it, but I was to a point where I really didn't care. I, I'm just going to be honest. I was selfish at that particular moment in time. And I wanted, I wanted to be on my own. So I got my enlistment papers from the recruiter. We snuck him. He was able to sneak them into. I, I I snuck them into my dad's office, and I went up to his secretary's desk, and I he used to have a little like little sticker note, like uh, there were paper clips, and you she would clip onto them, 
and where he would have to sign. So he would flip through them real quick and he would just sign stuff. Mm. And so I was hanging out and I know I was suspicious because I never hung around my dad's office. And, and, uh, you know, as soon as he was done with those papers, all the paperwork signed. And I said, Oh, let me take care of those. I'll take those up to, to your secretary. So, um, I grabbed my paper and I, I walked out and I handed it over to the recruiter and, um, the recruiter talked to me, says, Hey, we can, you know, you can go in E3 if you can get your camping merit badge. And I said, well, that's going to be a tough one because I have church obligations. But luckily enough, when I went in, I actually graduated. They grabbed me for a week prior, and uh, my recruiter and his and his church leader and a bunch of guys actually went out, took me out, and I got my camping merit badge. So I was able oh, cool. to get presented my eagle badge, which I got presented my eagle badge in boot camp. So it was pretty cool. Wow. While I was in boot camp, wasn't eighteen yet, you know, and and uh, we got done, you know. I think it was after Chow. If I remember, we're talking over 30 years ago now. So I think it was after Chow. Uh, we came back in. They called us. They presented it for to me. And, and then right away, we got smoked. You know, I got smoked. You know, <laughs> with the, with just push-ups forever began and, and went from there. But uh, So at what point did you decide you were going to first go into the military? Like, is it just one of those things where, listen, I didn't have a lot of a career path ahead of me. So it was either, you know, was college even an option or was it just basically – I needed to get into the military. You know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, I, I grew up with my, my cousin and I, we had a dream. We were going to go into Marine Corps together and it was just something about those dress blues, you know, mm-hmm. and, and having those, those NCO swords or officer, just it, the Marines by doubt, hands down. And I, and I served the Navy and the army. So I'm telling you right now, by hands down, Marine Corps dress blues are the best uniform out there. You know, you just look great in that stuff. So we had this dream. When I, he was a year older than me, I'm excuse me, a year and a half older than me or so. And he said, I'll wait for you and then we'll go together. We'll go into the military and the buddy system, family program. And I was ready. I got everything done. And he said, ah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. So uh, I said, well, I'm out. I can't do it no more. And he knew how I grew up, how things were, where mm-hmm. I grew up, because I would, I would run away and I would hide at his house and just, just to get away, to get out of the house and things. And, and so, uh, I, we, this, this silly movie came out in the, in the eighties, I think it was called Navy Seals, you know, with Charlie Sheen. So I got this big old gung-ho hoorah, the top gun come out. And I'm like, well, this Navy sounds pretty good. And the seals look pretty good. And so I said, went to the recruiter. So I want to be a seal. And he kind of laughed at me, you know, and, and uh, I took the pretest, the, you know, the, they, this was a test where you, you, you did your run, you did your swim, you did your push-ups, you did your pull-ups, and and then that qualified you to to go to Buds in San Diego. Well, when I got there, I passed the test, and then just out of no, I just I changed my mind. I didn't want to do it no more. I didn't I didn't want to go to the SEAL program. I you know I graduated high school at a 4.0 you know grade point average. I wanted to do something more, but there was something deep in my heart. I wanted to help people. I wanted to help children. I wanted to help women. I just wanted to help people. And in combat really wasn't at that moment in time, wasn't on, on the, on the scope. I mean, we were in a peacetime part of the world. It was before the first Iraq war, you know, desert storm. And, and I just, I, I wanted to, so I chose to do visit board search and seizure. I became a boat pilot. I got trained, uh, went to a couple of Marine school, a Marine Corps, uh, schools where they taught us the basics on repelling and what have you and how to do the searches and what to look for. And, 
and I really got into it. It really, it really touched my heart. You know, a lot of humanitarian missions. Cool. So, um, so that's basically when, when you were going in and you decided you were going to go in and your cousin wasn't going to go, is that when you, like you said, you watched some movies and, and you went and talked to the Navy recruiter or did you ever talk to, you know, a Marine recruiter or anybody else, or was it straight to the Navy? Well, I, I did talk to the Marine recruiter, but it was one of those things is that I had loyalty to my cousin and I'm like, I was like, I'm not, we were going to do this together mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do it without you, but I'm going to go in. You know, and if you ever want to decide to go in, you know, I can always I'll go to boot camp again. I don't have a problem with it, even though, you know, Navy and Marine Corps boot camps, completely different animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's I told them I would then join them in that stuff. And, he, and I just but I had to go. And so the exciting part was, you know, you get that that patriotic feeling, you know, of, you know, it's, I, it, if I knew really what that was at a 16, you know, 15 year old kid. And I, that's what I wanted to do. There wasn't a whole lot of. There were some Marine, you know, Marine movies out there, but they were the old Vietnam era and mm-hmm. World War Two, and, and it so it really wasn't out there. It was something with that younger age group, you know, people just a little bit older than me that are playing movies like Charlie Sheen. That kind of, you know, I thought it was real because I was back when Hollywood, the glamour of Hollywood, all real, and that's how it really is. And mm-hmm. but it, it, when I was when I got to boot camp and and I started once I had passed the the screening test, you start training, you know, in your extra hours and all that stuff. Cause they know you're, you, you certain you're special PT, special swims for the guys who screened and passed. But I just, I just, it wasn't with me again. Like I said, I, I, I had to get out of there and, and I wanted to help. Yeah. Um, so I and, want to talk about that's your what time. I did. Yeah. I want to talk about your time in service, but before that, I want to ask you just real quick. Um, what happened when your parents found out that you, I don't know, I don't want to say you conned your dad into it, but you tricked your dad into signing the papers and letting you go. Do you remember when they actually found out? Yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. When they found out was basically my, the day I graduated. Um, high school? Because the recruiters were all, yeah, the day I graduated high school, because recruiter needed my, they still, I was signed in and I was in with a delayed entry program, but they still needed the GED or diploma. So mm-hmm. you couldn't leave without that. So when I graduated, they were waiting. I handed the diploma over. My dad said, what's this? And, and uh, I said, well, you signed me in, you know, he, he said I was okay to go and all that stuff. And he said, well, you're not even 18 years old. And I said, yeah, but it, it, it's time. He was pretty upset. I mean, he was, he was pretty, he was pretty upset. Um, later in life, later on down the road, you know, he lived vicariously through me. Uh, he couldn't serve. He was, mm. he would have been a Vietnam era, but he couldn't serve. He had a, he, he, something, it was something wrong with his health. And I don't exactly remember quite offhand what it was. And I, I guess I could chat with him, but it, it took him several years to, to get over it. And my mother, honestly, to this day, I don't think has gotten over it. Um, it's it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those things I don't really know what else to what else to do but it but it is what it was and and, and I went you know mm-hmm. um, do you still have a relationship with your mom and dad um, it's 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 very much uh, what's the best word I could put it we are very separated mm-hmm. um, at this moment in time and, and I uh, it's I I I'm trying to say this to be as polite as I can. It's going to come out as it is, but it's, it's I just don't, I don't agree with how things were and how things, how I was raised. And I knew there were other things. And I know that, you know, you learn to be a parent from your parent when in all actuality, 
you learn how not to parent from mm-hmm. your parents. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need any of that around. And then, and then when, you know, my parents, it was up to me to always get my kids to see my parents, you know, to meet their grandparents. And they never, you know, they would, they would never spend the time of day to, to try to come and see my kids or visit with my kids or call them on the phone to see how they were doing. So they might, and it's sad to say that, you know, only my oldest child, my middle child really know who, you know, their grandparents are. And hmm. to this day, they, my daughter, you know, she was, I think she was a year old when they met her. And from that point on, they, they just, they don't, you know, they don't meet her. They haven't met her and that wow. stuff. And, and for me to move a family, you know, to travel, with a family of five, I mean, the expenses yeah. get up there, you know, sure. and, and, you know, and they like to do their thing. They like to drink. I'm not a drinker. I don't smoke or anything. They like to hang out and, and do their thing in, in, in the, in the pubs and what have you. And it's just, it's just not my thing. You know, I, I'd rather do be at home with my kids. Play in Monopoly. Um, actually my father went south. My mother lives, my mother still lives down south. Yeah. My dad went down into to Southern Florida. Did down they divorce Naples. Yeah, they divorced. I was in high school. Um, they said it was a pretty violent relationship, if you will. They uh, they got divorced, and my dad quickly remarried, and then my mom quickly remarried, and then um, they just they just stayed down, and you know my mom stayed put pretty much, and my dad went down into into Florida, hmm. and that's where where he finished out his career, and now he's retired and living a life down there. How about your siblings? Are you close with them? brother and sister i am in a way i I am in a way um but they they still the they hold a they kind of sour because they didn't really realize you know the kind of the things that they grew that i grew up with and i kept away from them they didn't see it in full glamour i guess until i left Mm. when i left i wasn't there to hide them and protect them and and you know to to take the blame for stuff you know as the as the oldest and and so then that fell right on my brother's shoes immediately as I walked out the door. And I, there, I think there's still some, there, there's still some, there. and don't get me wrong. We, we talk, we, 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 we do that. We, you know, we chat on the phone also, but as far as seeing, I haven't seen him in several years and, but it's, we, we just don't, we don't communicate. We don't have that closeness yeah. and that communication and that stuff. And, you know, they're, they're still heavy into the, in, into the, into the, the church growing up, you know, not the church, but, you know, in religion and all that stuff. And I go to church mm-hmm. and I, but I just kind of, I remove myself away from like an organized religion mm-hmm. and I go straight to the Bible and I know God is, God is my savior and Jesus is my savior and God's my father. And that's, he saved my bacon many times. <laughs> Amen to that brother. Amen to that. Um, hey, before we take a break and get into your military career, is there anything more that you want to talk about as far as life growing up? Uh, any, any odd stories, anything good, bad, and different that happened to you growing up that made you who you are today? Well, I, I know that, um, so I had a girlfriend, I, you know, again, wasn't really supposed to, but it was interesting. I had a girlfriend, we were going to get married and all that. And, uh, what was ironic about it is we really, it was just that first time loves thing, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I guess you call it puppy love nowadays, I guess what they call it. But yeah, we had all these big dreams and all that. And, um, I remember when I came home, for, for a brief moment, I came home to get my car and then to head off to my first duty station and stuff. And I, uh, I, we, I, Chris and I was like, well, you want to move out with us and all that stuff. And she didn't like the attention that I get. Cause I came from a small town, you know, and it was all over the papers of where I went and all that stuff. And she didn't like that publicity. And then, you know, by that time, 
things are kicking up in desert in, over there in, in Kuwait and that stuff. It's starting to get dusty over there. And something was about to kick off. And she's like, well, you know, she had the fear that I was going to, you know, just go away and not ever come back and all stuff. So we broke it off in there. But it was with the fun part about, I guess, growing up was, was just, uh, we, me and my buddies, we, which I guess we were kind of adrenaline junkies, mm-hmm. but we used to strap, uh, life jackets around our, our BMX bikes and all that stuff. And we jump them off docks into the, <laughs> into the river and all that stuff. And, and the rivers run pretty quick down there. And, and I, I, we lost a couple of bicycles and stuff and tried to explain, you know, you know how, how it was. And I was always afraid of, of going and getting it. But uh, yeah, the, the, I guess the, the fun times is, you know, we knew you were in trouble when, uh, when your mom and dad said, go pick a switch. So he had to go out the tree and find your own punishment and all that stuff off the old willow tree out there. But <laughs> as far as, as far as fun times and all that stuff, I, it's, it's, it's hard to play. And I'm sure there's plenty in there, Yeah. but uh, just coming out of, of, of 33 plus years of really seriousness mm-hmm. with military, it's, it's just, it's hard to pick into there. And I haven't really dove back into it. Yep. No worries. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, David, if you don't mind, uh, share uh, some of your story about life in the military. I know uh, with a 25-year career and 11 deployments, you got a lot to talk about. Um, We'll be right back. This week's Veterans Resource, Nonprofit of the Week, is 22-0. We believe there's a better way to heal trauma and unhelpful negative emotions, not teach you to cope with them. The Trauma Resiliency Protocol, TRP, is for post-traumatic stress and acute stress. The Emotions Management Process, EMP, is for extreme negative triggers involving unhelpful emotions like sadness, anger, or shame, often accompanying traumatic or significant emotional events. During these therapies, you're not required to discuss the trauma. Everything centers around the triggered emotions. They become malleable when active. We change the state of the emotions, not the memory. There are no costs or fees associated with veteran coaching. Best of all, you can do the work remotely in the comfort of your own home. Visit www.220.org for more information. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Wiley X Sunglasses. Wiley X is a family-owned company founded by U.S. military veteran Miles Freeman Sr. with a focused determination to create the world's best protective gear for those that protect our country. Over 35 years ago, Wiley X was born on the battlefield. Today, Wiley X continues to pioneer protective eyewear and sunglasses, not only for our military, but for consumers as well. Visit www.wileyx.com and support the companies that support our veterans. And we're talking to David Michaels. David, welcome back. Thanks again for uh, taking the time to share your story with us. Uh, certainly appreciate it. I know life growing up wasn't uh, the easiest for you, and I'm, I know the next 25 years of your life certainly weren't easy. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about life in the military? So I left the military. I, I, I went down to a lot of people don't. Remember, there was a. I went to boot camp in Orlando, Florida. Um, went right, right. It was June, July, August. It was miserably hot down there, and I remember that when. So my first duty station was out west, out in San Diego, and um, and I, I went undesignated. So I didn't know so many. I didn't have a particular school afterwards uh, to be a certain mix. Again, I didn't know 
the I knew I wanted to help people from boot camp, but I didn't know what I needed to do to do that. So I started doing some investigating and and I got to research again. This is before computers and all that stuff. So all you could do is ask around and follow around. And as an undesignated person, you kind of move around and uh, it's it you can to find out the job you want to do. Well, mm-hmm. I ended up with rigging. I chose rigging. It was neat because that helped people. I, I learned that, you know, just about every single knot there was under the, under there, but I also learned how to just how to get things satcheled up and tied up and, and, and move, uh, you know, big objects with, you know, with just the gears, you know, with just pulleys. And it was really interesting to me. So mm-hmm. that put me into, I saw these guys out there and they were doing these, 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 these boardings so I, w- I was out on this on a ship and they were doing these boardings i'm like what are these guys doing and they're, they call them bbss and it was marines because the marines mostly did it and they worked in association with like the navy or what have you so i ended up getting a boat school where i learned how to got to learn how to drive the boats twin screw boats and we come in and out of the back end of the, these these uh these the, these ships we drop it and the lhas i do believe they're called i'm a little rusty on my ship names it's been 30 years but i we pull in load up and go we take off the back of the ship would sink a little bit and we take off and do the boarding and at first i was just a pilot i'd only get them there and we'd tie off we they grab a hook up throw a line down i would be tied off to the ship mm-hmm. and they would run up going up a jacob's ladder they climb up and do the boardings and come out. So as I aged and progressed and, and I became, I got, I made third class petty officer and E4, I wanted to get involved more. And they showed me, they, they, they got me training and I, I got the certification. I, I did my first boarding then in 92. And that was over in, in the Straits of Aqaba over in, in the Middle East. And basically it was, they were boarding ships to stopping all contraband going in and out of of iraq so iraq wasn't allowed to have anything after the first gulf war what have you so that it was we were looking for contraband there were certain things that couldn't have mostly weapons and that stuff but i there was there was still something missing and i i got back and i got sent to what they call a leo ops i i took another volunteer jump i jumped on another ship and headed down to south america and they were doing drug operations and this this ship happened was i guess really not really a ship it was the coast guard uh, with those guys, and uh, that's where I really learned the VBSS because there was a couple of Marines on board, and just I got to really learn it. And this is when I started seeing trafficking for the first time. And this mm-hmm. was in 1993. Um, didn't understand it. Uh, I, I I didn't know what was what was happening. We immediately got deferred, and we got sent right over to. We went through the Panama Canal. And we got sent over to the to the uh, Caribbean, and the, Haiti was there was I, I think it was Operation Restore Hope, but I was it was the first time that my heart really pounded, and I and I seen true faith of these people. They would tie milk cartons together and life jackets together, and there'd be 20, 15, 20, 30 people on these makeshift rafts with babies, and all they wanted to do was get to the United States. They were fleeing Haiti. There's a lot of stuff going on in Haiti. They were fleeing it, and it was it was sad. We there's you know several babies had drowned and all that stuff. People oh. would drown, but they would they would keep the ba- you know the bodies with them and what have you. And we would rescue them off these boats. But I, I sat back and I, I just I really that's what showed me that America is what it is. And sorry if I get emotional no. here because uh, it hurts me when people are you know blast on our country mm-hmm. especially people who live in our country is you've got people that 
are, are jumping on a raft tide of milk cartons and whatever floats. And they're willing to float that 150 miles across open water, shark infested, all these nasty fish, predator fish. And they have put their faith in their creator to know that there's something better in America. Yep. And you know what? No matter what happens, brother, the people still come. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. America is the best country on this earth. I've been to a lot of countries. And America, by far, is the land of hopes and dreams. And if you come here with the right mindset, you'll, you'll, you'll understand. Amen. That moment in time, that moment in time was when I knew I had to work with people and help people. And I just got directed right towards it. Um, as we did that for, I did that for two more years. And, um, and in, in 20, in 1995, pardon me, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> we, uh, I, I, I ran into just before I got out, I, I had a really bad, uh, just a really bad deployment. And it, it was, it was sad. It was, we, I boarded a, we were on board of a, a, I can't say where we were. These missions are still on active and ongoing to this day. So I just want to bring that straight mm-hmm. forward now that a lot of this stuff's going on and, and how I, I won't get into how we do it and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I, we, I found a, a boat that there were people that were being, um, were being sold and, over and over and over again. Human and trafficking? That's when I, correct. And that's when I learned that drugs are a one-time thing. A human being can be sold over and over and over oh. and over again. And it, it struck me hard. And I and I, I had, that was when I first started noticing. So I had, something was going on in the brain. Something wasn't clicking right. I didn't understand the PTSD because let's face it, PTSD, if people were to say it, back in the day and still it's got a stigmata upon it people think that people you know that all of a sudden you know sylvester stone or you know rambo is going to come out and go shoot up the town and take over the police department and blow up the police station all that stuff ptsd has such a negative stigmata on it that people don't work with they just they hide it they just Uh bury it and they just stuff it and they sit on it so as you know we've chosen going through our training jay that we've got rid of that d Yep. We it, we just call it PTS, mm-hmm. and it's because we all live through stress, and it's and it's post trauma and that stuff. But it's you know I don't like adding that D on the end because I you know you don't need to hear oh you're dysfunctional you know it, that's what goes straight through my mind. It's all oh, great you're a dysfunctional guy. Yeah, and the reality that, and it, is and just, is that yeah. if you do have trauma and you don't you know, be, and you don't get PTS, then that's when the brain's actually wired incorrectly. Not the fact that we get post-traumatic stress from traumatic events means that our brains are wired right. properly. And so we, you and I Absolutely. got to learn quite a bit about that this last week, but um, yeah, it's, it's, there's no disorder about it whatsoever. And so I've no. dropped it also. I never use the, the D, you know, in, in times I'll reference to it just so that people understand it. Cause a lot of people understand it as PTSD, but the reality is, is that it's post-traumatic stress and we all have it. There's not a, there's not a human walking oh, on the face of the earth that doesn't have it. So. Absolutely. And it, and it doesn't have to be from war. It doesn't have to be from blood and gore. It doesn't have to be from, from, you know, uh, that it, it can just it, from your cat, it can be if your mm-hmm. cat dies, uh, an animal dies. I mean, y- yeah. you can have stress from that. It, it comes in all strengths and forms. And you, I will tell you this, you're a stronger human being to admit you have it mm-hmm. than someone that tries to hide it. Because when you admit to it, 
I, and I'll speak for myself, when I could finally admit to it is when I could finally get the help I, I deserved. Mm-hmm. I won't say that I needed, mm-hmm. I deserved that help. Amen to that. So I, I, I had, a, I had, so I was trying to figure, I knew military, we'll go back to 95. I knew the military was a career I wanted to go and that stuff. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to be the guy anymore chasing after things. And, and then I said, I want to be back in the officer, setting up the plan, setting up the details, finding out the details where they know the surprise ahead of time. And that's, that's what I want. I wanted a more of a leadership role. Mm-hmm. So I talked to, you know, went back to back home. I talked to the, to the recruiter for the, the guard and, and I said, this is what I want to do. And he's like, okay, sign a six year contract. We'll put you through school. I was able to clep out, take clep exams and, and get almost half my degree already. So I had a two year degree by just doing my clep exams and then I was commissioned. So I was, I was active duty going to school, but I was, I was paid as a commissioned officer, just a, just a second lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And then we moved up from there. I went and got my degree in electrical engineering. I figured I'd use my brain in other ways and all that stuff. But I was still had the mindset of like, okay, I want to bring power to the people in these villages. I mean, because in these deployments, I've been to like the middle of Africa. I've been to the Horn of Africa. And there's a lot of desolate places. There's no water. There's no electricity. There's no nothing. And, and I was like, I've got to, I want to make an imprint. I want to make an impact on these people. And so I chose electrical, being be an electrical engineer. Um, went through that and I end up being with the Army Corps of Engineers. All of a sudden I'm in a, a transportation company. And I'm like, why am I in a transportation company? The only thing I know about transportation is gas is on the left and the brakes on the right. <laughs> and uh, I got looked at cross-eyed and, and they said, no, you're going, you're going to you end up just being a division officer. And um, that was when I suffered my first loss of comrades, of, of a battle buddy, of, of people in my unit. And that was 2002. And that was a first big loss. And I wasn't part of Desert Storm, but I wasn't doing much then. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was running supplies. I was running this from this boat to another boat. So I was, that's all I was, you know, or take stuff from, from, the the shore off of Saudi Arabia and I'd take out to a ship. That's all I was doing. I was basically a water taxi guy. Mm-hmm. And so my first loss we come in and, and that's when that's when the my first loss happened. And and then when it happened right in front of me, it was kind of disbelief. It was all in slow motion and and uh, you know I, I was like, okay, it's just part of it. I'm in, in it's part of war. We're in war. But there was something about this war I just didn't I didn't buy. I wasn't buying. There was something that just didn't add up right. And we come back i just didn't understand the mission it just didn't make sense so we come back we took we took some pretty good hits i got home and it was uh you know what a lot of people fail to realize also too is is with the iraq war and the afghan war a lot of these the only reason like these active duty units could get time off they activated like all these reserve components and all these guard components mm-hmm. and all that. And, and I was active duty. I call what they call AGR active guard reserve or what have, however it was, I was, so I was an active duty guy working in a reserve post and, and that was how it worked for there. So I, I went to that deployment, came back and I did one more deployment in 2003 and I came home with my wife and I, who I had met in the Navy back. I didn't bring that up. That's a very important uh, time of my life there is that my, my wife's still with me to this day. And uh, I tell you, I, there's, you know, they say behind every great man's a, a good woman. Well, I say every behind a, a great woman is, is, is a guy that's hanging on by dear life. 
I'm that guy hanging out with your life, you know. <laughs> She's a great woman. So was she military um, also then or no? No, she wasn't. I actually met my wife. Uh, I, I was I came when I was on leave. She was on vacation, and we just happened to be at the same spot at the same time, hmm. two different states, two different areas, but we met at the same time, and and uh, she was actually engaged and was going to get married, and then we met, and when we locked eyes, it was like soulmates, wow. and 30, 33 years now, we've been together, and God uh, bless. that's great, and it's been, it's been, it's been amazing, you know, it's been an amazing life, she's, she's saved my life more than once, but we, I came back in 03, right beginning of 04, and I said, I can't do this no more, I just, I can't do it and she says well you know you've got so much time in now you know you've, you've got 14 15 years in you know that's five more to go if you want to stay in and you can you can go from there and i'm like yeah you're right so i i went back i, I went to the recruiter i left work one day and i went over to the navy recruiter and by this time i'm a captain i walked in said, so i want to enlist in the navy and they laughed they thought it was funny mm-hmm. you know i'm like no i want to i was a navy before i want to to go back in so I, I had showed him my 214 from the Navy and all that stuff. And then I had a 368 form, which is a transfer form from one branch to the other. And then I had my resignation letter all ready to go. So I was able to go over and, and, and take it to him, but they were still laughing at me. They're like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, put me in these, the CDs. And I, I want to go build schools. I have a degree in electrical engineering. I don't want to be an officer. I want to go put hands on. I want to build schools. I want to build. I want. I want to help people. I want to help educate kids. I want to do whatever I can to create these. You know, these this stuff and um, place safe places for kids to learn. And and so they they you know laughingly they they accepted me in and and they actually they brought in a guy that he was a, a lieutenant junior grade. He was so he was a one 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 rank lower than I was. And it was funny him taking off my my captain patch and, <laughs> and then swearing in the Navy and, and that stuff back in. But I luckily I went back in his E5. So I, I held the same pay grade that I left that because when I left active duty was right when everything was getting locked up mm-hmm. from the Navy because of the Clinton time downsizing. Nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. So you basically, uh, uh, this- you went backwards really. I mean, you went from, from being an officer in, in, in the army national guard to going back into the Navy yep. as a NCO. <laughs> Yeah, I, and then I was an NCO, I was an NCO, NCO like basically, you know, non-commissioned officer, yeah. what they call a petty officer in the Navy. And I went to the to be an officer, and then I went back to you know being to back in the Navy. But what was interesting is I didn't learn this until until about about ten years ago when I retired. Is when you're in the guard, it's a state-ran military. It's completely different than the federal military. Oh. So time adds up different. Everything adds up differently. So. I thought I could only do another five years because I had 15 years in, but I actually did another nine. So well, at nine, 10, you see, I went back in 04, I was 11 years, pardon me. Hmm. So I did another 11 years when I finally, in March of, I retired in March of 2015. But I, uh, right away, uh, we went, I deployed, no, no incidents, great deployment, had a good time, did some, did a lot of good work, a lot of humanitarian stuff. I was in the Horn of Africa, worked on a couple of uh, of, of, of orphanages, and we built swing sets, and we we got we got we did some water wells, and we got them water, and we built structures for them. So it was it was very that heart tug was being fulfilled for me. Good. And then, you know, but there was still more. There was still I was reaching for something else, and I I, I wasn't sure what it was. Um, 2007, uh, I volunteered for deployment. By this time, I'd had 
I had 10 deployments in and I decided I'll do one more. And it was interesting is because I was home and my wife and I woke up one evening or when one in the middle of the night and she's, I just had a dream. We're going to have a baby. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And, and, and I said, here's her first name. And my my wife goes, yeah, her middle name's this. And I'm like, holy cow. What was quite interesting is, um, Right when that happened, the economy hit, and where my wife was working, they closed the doors. I mean, it crashed that 06, 7, 8 mm-hmm. big crash back in the day. Her company, they just completely closed the doors on it. So we were a two income family. We had a home and we had cars. And, and so we were kind of struggling. I'm like, well, what are we going to do now? And uh, I said, I can deploy. And she said, no, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And that stuff. I said, well, it, it, me deploying will cover until you get going and all that stuff and, and back on your feet, we find something. And so that's what we did. I deployed and, and uh, I got a, a phone call and she said that we were pregnant and, um, and it was interesting. And lo and behold, it, when the first ultrasound came in, it was a girl wow. and girls aren't, girls don't come in very, very, they're very rare in my family on her side. It's all boys, except my sister. You know, it was just, it was all boys everywhere you look. And, and I said, yeah, I'm going to have a daughter. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. You know, you're, you're, that's 11 years apart from your youngest to your youngest now to your baby. I said, mm-hmm. it's okay. You know, it, it, that's okay. So it was at that point then that God had told me it was, I, I felt right there that God, um, had put us, you know, put something very mm-hmm. special into my, into my heart and, and gone from there. So we were deploying in 2007 and I, I volunteered to go. Um, I ended up, uh, I had a, the, I was able to dodge the anthrax vaccine throughout the whole time. And I got, I got tagged with a, with an anthrax vaccine and I got very, very sick from it. Um, had a heart attack not too long after that, but I still deployed. I still went overseas and still, they, and just did my thing, you know, and came back and just wasn't, wasn't feeling right. So I just, I was able to stay home and was able to keep my dwell time. And all that stuff and just stay home. I, I was able to dodge deployments for the next seven, you know, seven rotations. So mm-hmm. I just would do whatever I could do to to not leave home for it. And so that's and that and that's what I did. But I, I noticed uh in so in 2015, I I I woke up one morning and uh, I couldn't I couldn't move my legs. Mm-hmm. And and I, I didn't know what it was, and I so I went to spin out of bed and I fell down and I ended up having compression fractures from all the rappelling and landing down on my feet, coming down on these, on the ships and all that stuff and landing hard with gear and Mm -hmm. with other things. I had, I had blown out L2, L3, L4 completely. And the nerves were, um, were just crushed. And so I had just pretty much my lower back was, was done. So that was what put me out was what put me out was just a completely destroyed back. But as I was going out and doing my paperwork, um, I don't know how I got brought up, but I was I was headhunted by a by a government contractor, and they said, "Hey, uh, we're interested in you coming to work for us, and we see your background, and and we like to, you know we like to, to talk to you about it." And so, leaving the military, I, I mean, I I wanted a couple of time off, so I, I left, you know, and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. I knew that my back couldn't handle things and that stuff, so I was I was really thinking. How am I going to make this happen? But, you know, life's still happy. Now we got a family of three kids and yeah, a house and, you know, the, the family, the perfect family got to make a living. 
And I, I chose, I had a couple, I had a surgery on my back, I had another surgery and decided to go. But while I was out, the, the strangest thing, you know, is, is I, I missed the camaraderie. I missed the, the, the full speed ahead because I felt useless. I, I didn't have a mission no more. Uh, I was gone so many times. I'd be gone so much that I could sit in the corner and it hurt because I could watch my whole family, my wife take care of things. And I'm like, I'm over in the corner waving, man. I'm right here. Yeah, I'm right here. They didn't need you to be able to move on. Well, yeah, that's that's where our, our next segment comes in, David, is, is talking about life after, you know, transitioning out of the military and how difficult it is for many men and women who serve. And I can't even imagine after 25 years trying to get back into civilian life. So um, is there anything more as far as your military background that you, you'd like to share as far as, you know, anything from your deployments? Um, you know, I, 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 I always like to ask the question, you know, when did you know it was time to get out of the military? But for in your instance, it was pretty clear that it was time to get out when it physically was, yeah, you couldn't that do was it clear. You know what I mean? You're yeah, just, I couldn't do that particular work. But being in the military, I had picked up, I had picked up some skills and some knowledge and how to see things, you know, mm-hmm. like, again, I, I, I saw the, the trafficking side and I saw the drug movement side and I seen all that stuff. And I just sat back and I just, I, I, I knew that there was something else, but, uh, we'll take a break and I'll, and I'll, we'll talk about what happened next. Sounds good. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, David's going to share with us, uh, his integration or reintegration, as we like to say, uh, into civilian life. Um, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This week's Veterans Resource, Nonprofit of the Week, is 22-0. We believe there's a better way to heal trauma and unhelpful negative emotions, not teach you to cope with them. The Trauma Resiliency Protocol, TRP, is for post-traumatic stress and acute stress. The Emotions Management Process, EMP, is for extreme negative triggers involving unhelpful emotions like sadness, anger, or shame, often accompanying traumatic or significant emotional events. During these therapies, you're not required to discuss the trauma. Everything centers around the triggered emotions. They become malleable when active. We change the state of the emotions, not the memory. There are no costs or fees associated with veteran coaching. Best of all, you can do the work remotely in the comfort of your own home. Visit www.220.org for more information. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com and by Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's gonna be great. And we're back talking to David Michaels. David, thank you again for, uh, again, sharing your story with us, uh, your military career, 25 years, 11 deployments. Um, you're the true heroes of this country, brother. You really are. I mean, we we have our freedom because of people like you. And like you said, if you've never left this country before, you don't know how damn good we have it here. So, again, it's easy to get caught up in the rat race of life and, uh, right? and, and, and bitch about work, bitch about yeah. school, bitch about all the other things that we have. But, man, are we blessed to be able to have those things, aren't we? Oh, it's it's amazing. You know, the freedoms. I mean, just the, the – the freedom to go to church. I mm-hmm. mean, the freedom to go to the grocery store, the freedom to, to walk outside and just, you know, and, and have a cup of coffee on your front porch and, yeah. and yell hello across your neighbors. You, you don't, uh, 
a lot of people don't understand. There's just not that going on. I, I, there's there's countries where you're not even allowed to talk to people yeah. or wave at them and that stuff or go in a certain sector or area. It's it's crazy, you know. America is has got it going on, you know, and our founding fathers, I thank them for it every single day. Amen, you know? brother. Amen to that. So Hey, thank you again because uh, you're a huge contributing factor to that. Um, whether you want to admit it or not, I don't. I know many of you guys are humble, and and I get that part of it. But the reality is, is that it was because of the men and women like you who who provided my freedom today and and my family's freedom. And so, thank you for that. I, I certainly appreciate it. Um, I know in doing this podcast and doing my TV show for the last seven years, um, one of the most difficult things that many of our veterans faced was reintegration back into civilian life. Right? Um, you know, you you go from years and years of being told what to do and how to do it and when to do it and and living a regimented life uh, to come back into, again, freedom, right? The civilian, the thing you're fighting for uh, into the freedom population and then having difficulty reintegrating it. And it's not only about finding a job that, that fits you with a sense of purpose, like you touched upon before the break, but it's also just reintegrating with your, your own family your your spouse, your children, your, your, you know, your family, your loved ones, your friends, um, you know, you, you do the 11 deployments and I don't care what you say, it changes people, man. And, and sometimes not for the better. Like you said, you had a difficult deployment. Um, you, you, you had suffered loss, uh, very close to home as far as as it relates to a, a, a good friend, you know, of yours, mm-hmm. and that shit sticks with you, man. It doesn't uh, it doesn't go away. No, it does not. It does not. I mean, I I still see him to this day, you know, and and that stuff, and it just it just sits with you. But yeah, it was when I got out. I was on terminal leave, and I had I had quite a bit of leave saved. I don't know, I, two three months. I think I had of terminal leave, and and I. Uh, I was done. I was, I was done. I couldn't mm-hmm. go back no more. I, I mean, I was medically, they were saying, you can't, you can't do the job anymore. And, and yeah, I was senior enlisted, but I, I still had my, my fingers on the pulse. You know, I could still, I could still go out with the boys. I could mm-hmm. still do the stuff, but I was just, I was an old man, you know, I, as far as military is concerned, I was old, I was mm-hmm. broken. I pretty much used up my body, but what, what, what hurt bad is, is coming home and just sitting here not having, you know, we're still waking up at four o'clock in the morning and just, you know, gra- just doing the, couldn't run. I was, cause I, my back was trying to heal from, from several surgeries and having it, had it fused. So I, I'm just sitting here and I'm watching life just happen around me. And it was, it was, it was like, I, everything's moving around me. I'm stuck. I'm standing still, but everything's moving around me and I can't do nothing about it. Hmm. And I felt completely I just didn't feel wanted. I didn't feel like I was needed. I didn't feel like anything. I had no purpose. I didn't have a mission anymore because, man, just just a, just last month, I was doing this and that, Jay, and everything's going great and everything's working good, and I'm part of something. And now that mission's still going on, mm-hmm. and I'm not part of it. And it's for so long I was part of that mission. But it still goes on, and now I'm I'm not, and it mm-hmm. it hurt. It was it was hard. It was very very hard to cope with for me, and um, that was when I, uh, I I I found out that I had a severe case of PTS, and I uh, didn't know didn't know where to go. And this is where things. Uh, I'm just gonna this is let's make it a little graphic. So no, that's okay. Um, that's what this is about. Folks, listen, you know, I just don't. I uh, this this isn't this is not. I haven't talked to told many people about this. Very few people know about this. Um, 
about six weeks after I got out, I mean, again, I'm on terminal leave. Um, I went down to the VA and they started doing my paperwork, but because I was still active duty, but on leave, I still had to go through the old TRICARE stuff. And, and they said, Oh, well, here, take this drug, take this drug and take that. And now to back up a little bit, I had been on so many uppers and downers and all that stuff throughout my military career to keep us going. Nothing worked now. Nothing could work. I had, my body had tolerances to all kinds of stuff. So they, they put me on, uh, I was on antidepressants. They said, Oh, you're severely depressed. And they started running me through regiments of antidepressants. And then I was on a particular nerve blocker on top of that mm-hmm. um, antidepressants. And it, it just, it, it wasn't the right combination. And doctors weren't communicating as well as they are now. They had the HIPAA stuff, but you couldn't just go out there and like now they have a Doppler. So you go out there and they can, any doctor you go to, they can type in your name. They can type in your social security number, your birthday, and it shows every doctor you've been to and what meds you're on. Mm -hmm. So it automatically flags now, wait a minute, you can't have this med with this med because it causes this. Mm -hmm. So I I had, uh, I had about, um, I, I, I told my wife that she deserves something better. Um, she deserves someone better. I was not, and she's like, "Oh no, just, just no." She goes, "You don't understand." I, I'm, now, granted, I'd only been in—I'd been in the military for two and a half years when I met her, mm-hmm. so she's been with me pretty much the whole ride. Mm-hmm. So she's seen the ups, she's seen the downs, she's seen the loss. She's been with it. She had to be part of going to the spouse's house, and you know, with the chaplain's wife and all that stuff, and with the chaplain, and 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 go from there because she was one of the enlisted wives. Um, they call them ombudsmen in the Navy that you you know they. Take take care of the wives and mm. and she knew but i was just i had it set in my mind i had it set in my mind jay that nothing nothing was going to fix this mm-hmm. nothing at all i was done um doctors can't fix it and and i was adamant my wife needed somebody better than me um and i went and i forced her into, into a divorce and um i divorced her uh, said go find someone else and that stuff and the kids deserve a, a better man um, to be a father because I couldn't do what I was because I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling I'm, I'm basically now that I look back, I was being completely selfish, Jay. Mm-hmm. I was being completely selfish because I didn't have the help I needed. I'm going to these counselors and say, hey, I understand how you're feeling. I know exactly what you're going through. I'm sorry. You're a 24 year old woman fresh out of college. Right. And you, you, you've, you've, you've been in the, you know, I've done 25 years. I've been in the military longer than you've been alive. In fact, I've got a child just two years younger than you, you know? And, and that was, I know they're trained and all this. I get it. And it's not, I'm not downfalling it. I'm I'm just saying it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So one day when I knew the papers were signed, all this stuff, I grabbed my pistol headed for the Hills and um, stuck the pistol to my head, pulled the trigger, nothing happened. So I racked another round, pulled the trigger again, nothing happened. I just reached outside my car, pulled the trigger, and it went off. And this went over and over and over and over, all 13 rounds. They ended up firing, but every time I go into places in my head, it wouldn't go. It would just click, nothing happened, but that round would fire. Three seconds later, after I racked it out and put it back through the magazine, it it would fire, but it would fire outside. And out of in the passenger side, this is when I knew that that my Savior was with me, and Jesus was with me. Because in my in my passenger seat, I swear on my children's life, Jesus was sitting in that seat and told me it wasn't my time, and He had better purpose for me. 
And um, I uh, went back to my wife and I and well, ex-wife then, and I I told her what had happened and and what was going on. And she said, "We need to get you help." And I said, "They they can't help me. I've got to get off these meds. I got to get off these drugs and that stuff." And so she worked to find the best of the best. Um, and was able to, by God's grace, pull the money and all that stuff aside, and we were able to get the help that I needed. I still didn't have the exact help I needed until I found 22 Zero, because that's what really cured me. And and I will say that cured me, but it was a struggle, and I, I had no sense of purpose, and I didn't have that that high, I didn't have that high strive or that high. Uh, the high adrenaline life anymore and it's just gone i feel useless now i'm you know now i'm now i'm in my 40s and i'm like good gosh man what am i going to do mm-hmm. and then the phone rings the phone rings and um they said you know i'm so and so i'm with so and so and we uh we have a mission we need to be right up your alley we want to bring you on and i'm like well don't you want to interview me and they said no no i said you look at me i just attempted suicide and you know, I said, nope, nope, we know we want we we already know about it. Um, and we uh we, we want you on board. Mm-hmm. So I went on board with this agency and um and what they were doing was they were profiling pedophiles and profiling traffickers and what to look for and and, and how that stuff. So I worked for from 20 basically 2016 2015 2016 right up until two years ago when i had a complete nervous breakdown from it i I, my body just shut down after so i worked with them a good 11 years afterwards uh no not 11 years i'm sorry 2015 16 to the 2022 so a year ago year and a half ago um i had a complete nervous breakdown um the stress had gotten so much over this and things were happening so close to home and I just couldn't believe that you know all this stuff was happening right here in our country and going on right here and and, and just it, it was it was heartbreaking and um there was a certain a certain and again I can't talk about yeah. it this is a mission still no, going absolutely. on this team is still together this team is still together um but the, the, an incident happened um and and I was part of it not the, of the of the incident I was there post-incident and the scene that came upon me was was devastating it was absolutely devastating and i couldn't take it no more i went back and i went i was at work um and i found myself uh, i had a grand mal seizure right at work i ended up stress caused me to end up with temporal lobe epilepsy from all the stress and so i was immediately taken out of work put into a non-working status and disability and uh I went back through and it, it come to find out from the TBIs I had in the military and then the stress on top of it. I don't know how the brain, the brain's a, just a phenomenal organ. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it knows when enough's enough and the body knows when enough's enough. And this again is when, after I, I came home, we went to the doctor, they ran me through all the CT scans and, and MRIs and they come back and said, yeah, you've got temporal lobe epilepsy. It doesn't really show up. They were kind of going off of, you know, because I had so much lesions in my brain from TBIs and mm-hmm. concussions, getting conkies in the in the day, and, and so it came back. But it was they were basically had to go off of what I felt before I had the actual seizure. I say, well, my body feels this way. I feel like this lifting sensation in my chest. Feel kind of flighty. I feel kind of dizzy, and then it's lights out. You know, right before it happens, and mm-hmm. so I knew it was coming on. And um, 
they said, uh, no, it, you've got temporal lobe absolute epilepsy. Now I'm, this is with, with work we had, you know, I had Blue Cross, but then they seen I also was disabled, so I had 100% disability rating from the VA, and so they, they, they sent me through the VA, and now it's, and they run it through everything, and the VA had to classify me as TDIU, which is total disabled individual unemployable, so individually unemployable. So it's a case by case basis, and they look at your whole record, everything that's been that's gone wrong. You know, I'd blown out my knee, I broke my back, I, I'd blown out my shoulder. All these things they start adding up, and they do the old VA math again and say, mm-hmm. "Oh, you're 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 here." And I come to find out that's where I was. So I had my my supervisors are just incredible people that I worked with, and they're straight out of coming straight out of DC, and they were flying back and forth to where I live and coming right to my house and say, "Come on, let's go out to dinner." And, and you know we go out and you just we just sit with me and talk and they said yeah we think it's just time that that you go out it's time to retire well again i i saw my savior again um and just as this happened my second life my life experience or my near-death experience happened NDE, if you want to call it that happened even though i don't really call it that it's kind of weird i don't know how to explain it it's so most people understand NDE. They, they said that yeah you're uh you're 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 down we can't do it we can't we can't have you working in this particular environment if you're the night guy and you're on nights and no one's there to keep an eye on you and something happens and you fall and hit your head there's just this liability mm-hmm. so i was i was retired i was placed on terminal leave and i was retired that hit me hard again because now i feel hopeless again Jay. Mm-hmm. i'm like wow to... i was just part of something bigger than me i'm back to where i was in 2015 and that was probably and like, and, that, that contracting position was probably fulfilling that that humanitarian piece that you were looking for right you were catching the bad it was, guys it was yep going after the bad guys you know and seeing the guys get arrested and say yep that's them and yeah you know arrested right in the state i live in getting arrested right there and then seeing them on the and the news but have to stay quiet that you know yeah. it's just it's just kind of one of those things no one quiet about part it. of behind it no it, right yeah. and then even even the family not quite knowing what i was doing but mm-hmm. knowing i was doing something mm-hmm. and i uh it was funny as I, I went down i had um my uh, something failed in my back and i had to go in i had to have another surgery and so i go in to have this surgery and it was just a, it was supposed to be in it's uh i got what they call on uh, there's a stent in my back and it failed. So like a, like a spring, if you will, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but it wraps around the nerve to protect the nerve, but it had failed and it was like rubbing on the nerve bundle. So I had to go back in. It was just a revision. They're supposed to go in, fix it and all this stuff. And I'm out, I'm on my way. I'd have to stay overnight. I think it was two nights in the hospital where they just observe you, mm-hmm. make sure you're good. So you got to lay on your stomach. So I remember counting backwards, count backwards. And then I wake up. And I'm in a completely different hospital, completely different environment. Don't know who these nurses are. Don't know where my wife's at. Don't know anything. I I, I have no idea what's going on. Hmm. And I and I was restrained. Any restrained in bed. But I, right before I woke up, then I heard in my mind, I hear awake, awake, awake. And I literally sat up in bed. And and I, this is, I'm in a strange place. What it ended up happening was I ended up getting sick and ended up coming out with, with coronavirus. And somehow between when I counted backwards in the hospital to when I woke up was four weeks later. But I had, I had the coronavirus and all that stuff. But the problem was that they had treated me with, uh, with a particular medication. And I'm sensitive to medications because of 
because of the anthrax deal and, and that stuff and just mm-hmm. other things and medications from the anti the uh the antipsychotics and all that stuff. I just my body reacts differently to things. So they gave me remdesivir and uh, my body reacted to it. And it shut my liver down, it shut my kidneys down, it just kind of placed me. That's what well, it's not beneficial, but it's this I was fine and then they do this and mm-hmm. now this has happened. So I'm not one of in conspiracy theorists of don't get a shot. I'm not gonna be those guys and mm-hmm. that stuff. All I know is that something wasn't right, something happened. But while I was out, I I I don't remember this, but I remember a dream I was having. And I was having this dream that I was fighting. Uh, remember the movie Ghost? Um, you know, you and I are about the same age. Remember the ghost? It was yeah. uh, oh, Demi Moore. Gummit, what's his name? Patrick Swayze. Demi Moore and, and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, and those 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 ghost creatures, the bad guys would die, you yes. know, and they all of a sudden these shadow creatures would come together and they grab the bad guy's soul and pile <laughs> yeah, him off to hell. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, rip his soul on and off you go to Satan land and you get to live with Satan for the rest <laughs> of your life. Well, I was fighting these in this dream. These things would form and I'd have this big old sword and I'd fight them and then I'd fall back into this light and this light would like charge me back up and I'd go back out and I'd fight again. And I, I, so I'm fighting these demons. And then what I come to find out is like is I'm fighting my own demons hmm. of what's going on because I'm I, this whole time I have PTS. You know, I wake up, I wake up in the hospital, I'm in a strange place, and by the grace of God, I was able, they were able to say, you know, where, where, and I was able to say where I was, but I guess the whole time from what I was understanding, from what my wife tells me is, I was telling them that I was on some hunting trip in Canada, and I was hunting grizzly bear or something like that, I was on some kind of weird hunting trip, I kept saying the same thing over and over and over, and I wouldn't even give them my name, I wouldn't give them nothing, so it was like I was completely gone. But they came in and told my wife that my creatinine levels were they were seven point something. So off the scales, they had they had said, Yeah, be prepared for the worst. He may not make it through this because he's he's so his body's so sensitive to medications and antibiotics don't work. We gotta be real careful in the liver enzymes, but by the grace of God, here I am again. You know, now I get home. They bring me home. I'm on oxygen and, and I'm laying in my I'm sitting in my recliner and that hopelessness comes upon me times a hundred. Oh. And it's like, what am I going to do now? I have no idea what I'm going to do now. This is just a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm like, this COVID is no freaking joke. I mean, it whooped my ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm just telling you right now, I had felt, I had, I mean, I could have fallen down a set of stairs and that had felt a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have jumped in the ring with Mike Tyson. And <laughs> I don't think Mike Tyson could have kicked my ass as bad as this this Corona mm-hmm. did. This COVID virus was, it's no freaking joke. And, um, but this hopelessness come upon me. I'm like, great, I'm being retired. I can't do nothing. You know, here I am, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I'm still young. Mm-hmm. Um what am I to do? You know? And so I'm looking if they retire me, what am I going to do? I don't know. And anxiety is going through the roof. I mean, they're, they're, if you want to, so you know what diazepam is basically Valium, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were giving me a hundred milligrams of Valium a day. Oh so, so 10 is like, you know, I'm, I'm 275 pounds. I'm six, two, you know, I'm a big guy. Mm-hmm. 10 would normally knock me on my ass, but I was given three times a day. Or no, I'm sorry. It was five times a day. I take 20 milligrams, five oh times gosh, a day, just to keep myself. Yeah, just keep myself just even keel. 
But then all the pain I was in on top of that, you know, all the time, the, you know, it was, it wasn't doing nothing. So I'm eating ibuprofen or, or we, you know, the, the, the cure all for any military ibuprofen, Motrin 800s. So I'm eating those like Pez candy, literally. Mm-hmm. So it's just destroying my liver even worse from whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And that could have been what was, we have no idea. And we're, uh, I'm just talking to my wife. And by the grace of God, and again, God, I'm here for another purpose. Now I know what that purpose is. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in a minute. And you and I have already figured out what that purpose yeah. is just recently. But I'm sitting there and my wife calls and she goes, huh? I go, what's going on? She goes, I just got headhunted. And I'm like, really? She goes, I just got headhunted enough to cover your salary. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I make a, they want to pay me enough to cover your, and I'll be making more than my salary plus your salary on top of it. I'm covering your salary. She goes, I need you better. She goes, I'm like, you don't want me, you don't want to divorce me, you want someone better? She goes, no. She goes, no, I, it, I've been with you 32 years now. There's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way. She goes, I'm, I'm with this. You think of that. Like I said, my wife, she's amazing, most amazing woman on like the planet that. in my eyes, in my eyes. And she says, we have to find something for you. Something else has got to work. The drugs don't work. They don't do this. So someone talks to me about going the psychedelic route, you know, microdosing psilocybin and then doing ayahuasca. And they're trying to do all that stuff, and and I I started microdosing with with um with uh, to be straightforward with mushrooms. So I was microdosing mushrooms with psilocybin, but I didn't like the way it made me feel because mm-hmm. I didn't like the disassociation feeling from the body because it made me feel completely disassociated from my body. I felt completely disconnected. It wasn't me. And then there's like, well, try you know try doing some edibles on top of it, and again. I've been following the rules now for 30 years, mm-hmm. drug tests and all that stuff. You don't do that stuff. And now I'm, I'm retired. I got like my benefits are going to go away. I'm going to lose everything. And that wasn't the deal, but I found out that no, I don't, that doesn't work for me either because of my anxiety. You don't, for me, I'm, th- I'm saying to myself, you can't be taking this here, buddy, because you're jacked up already in the coconut, mm-hmm. and this stuff right here will make you even get deeper. And so I would just go down these deep, dark holes, and, and my wife's like, no, we're done with that. So we just we, – we sat, and we prayed, and we mm-hmm. prayed, and we prayed. And then one day, somebody sends me this, 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 this clip about 22-0, and I'm like – I'm reading – all of the, everybody's, uh, you know, like people who have been through the program, I'm reading all the testimonials and I'm like, yeah, right. You don't have mm-hmm. to know about my trauma. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know about this. You can make me, I can remember everything, but then I don't have to have a feeling towards it. How the hell does this work? What, <laughs> what, what magic carpet are you all flying? Right. You know, you guys are, you guys are like, you're way out there. So I, I, I pushed it aside for a minute. I'm like, no, cause I, from what I know, it's like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to take a drug. I need to go to counseling. I need to go to this. But I couldn't find anybody I could relate to. Mm-hmm. I would always have people tell me, I understand. I understand what you're going through, David. You're doing this. You're doing that. When all actuality was is they really didn't understand. They might have been able to relate mm-hmm. to a situation. But to say you understand, I it, I don't care if you and I walked on the same path, Jay, and, and we nick across the same stuff and we run into this niche and to that niche and we're in the same footprints. Jay, you and I are going to have totally different experiences. Yep. Yep. I will not understand what you went through in, in that stuff, but 
this is again the counseling way and all this stuff. And they got to have this this K quality. I forget this is K. It it just got to be out of over overwhelming. So four months ago, um, I uh, now I'm, now I'm I'm starting to feel like okay, I got a little regiment going here, you know, and we got this start. Okay, we'll just start growing a big garden and all that stuff. Not like I'm going to grow petunias and tulips or anything, yeah. but it's, <laughs> I don't have a green thumb, but I got to do something to keep my mind go active, you know, going because I kept going down these dark freaking holes and, and, and this son's a bitch. And it, it, it would, I could live it over and over and over. I, you know, I have one instance. So one of my instances when it would stand at the foot of my bread and at night and I'd wake up in a cold sweat and this, the being or the spirit of the person be standing right at the end of my bed screaming, why? Hmm. Right. I mean, and it's freaking me out. And I wake up screaming and yelling and, and throwing things around. And, and, and my wife says that something's got to get. And I don't know if she reached out somehow or another, I was contacted by the founder and by the co-founder of 220, which come to find out they, they, they work with like, they, help to coach everybody to you know to work with all these other people but to work directly with them is you know they find out who's going to work the best and just reading my profile sheet when i filled it out they said wow this is this guy's off the charts and i got to work with so many different coaches and, and you know and yes there's a counselor on board and there's a doctor on board but we're, you know they're not they're not counselors mm-hmm. they don't have to know the event and that's what was really just thinking with me jay's like i don't have to tell you shit mm-hmm. they don't know i mean you're you're lying i don't have to tell you a <laughs> damn thing yeah what, no what i go well then how the hell are you gonna yeah how are you gonna fix this i mean you don't even know what i look like you got right. a doll in clay and you're, you're gonna poke needles in me and i'm gonna <laughs> that's what i was thinking you know yeah. and so I, I had my first session, you know, hey, and I, it was, and it I don't was want to interrupt you, funny. but before we get into that, yeah. I want to, I want to take a quick break and I want to talk about life sure. after, and then we're going to get into that. And, uh, so you yep. had how many, how many months ago was it that you had your first, uh, TRP session? Was it four months? Uh, I was four, four and a half months now. Four and a half months. So four and a half months, fast forward to that. And that's when you and I met about a week, uh, just a week ago. So let's, let's, yeah. uh, table this for one second i'm going to take a quick break and then when we come back i want to hear all about your uh, your four months ago who, who david was four months ago and what happened right after uh, his first 20 20 minute session of a 22 on trp <laughs> <laughs> we're in for a ride sounds good betty we'll be right back this week's veterans resource nonprofit of the week is 22 We believe there's a better way to heal trauma and unhelpful negative emotions, not teach you to cope with them. The Trauma Resiliency Protocol, TRP, is for post-traumatic stress and acute stress. The Emotions Management Process, EMP, is for extreme negative triggers involving unhelpful emotions like sadness, anger, or shame, often accompanying traumatic or significant emotional events. During these therapies, you're not required to discuss the trauma. Everything centers around the triggered emotions. They become malleable when active. We change the state of the emotions, not the memory. There are no costs or fees associated with veteran coaching. Best of all, you can do the work remotely in the comfort of your own home. Visit www.220.org for more information. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Wiley X Sunglasses. 
Wiley X is a family-owned company founded by U.S. military veteran Miles Freeman Sr. with a focused determination to create the world's best protective gear for those that protect our country. Over 35 years ago, Wiley X was born on the battlefield. Today, Wiley X continues to pioneer protective eyewear and sunglasses, not only for our military, but for consumers as well. Visit www.wileyx.com and support the companies that support our veterans. And we're talking to David. David, thanks again for taking the time. Uh, right before the break, you, you started getting into your first TRP session with, uh, with Nick and Dan. And uh, I know that uh, it, it worked wonders for you. Um, I, I mean, I've had the, uh, I'll say fortunate, I've been fortunate to, to know about 220 and, and be able to send veterans to 220 for probably close to a year now, maybe even over a year. And it's been absolutely amazing. We've probably sent over a hundred veterans to 220 and, and I can honestly say a hundred percent of them have gotten relief. Right. And it may not be a cure for the PTS. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different traumas and emotional things out there with anxiety and depression. But that being said, uh, I can honestly say a hundred percent of them have found relief. Uh, they made tomorrow better than today. And so, uh, you're living proof. And, and if you don't mind, let's pick up right from uh, four months ago when you, you had your first session. Yeah. And I want to, real quick. I want to say, thank you, Jay. I, it's, you, you, you have, you, what you're doing is amazing here. And I, 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 I can't thank you enough on behalf of myself and many other veterans out there. I can't speak for them. I can relate with them, but I, you, what you're doing is something very, very huge here. And uh, folks, check out check out the website and check out the the oh, TV show. You, it's man. it's absolutely stunning. It's absolutely I really, stunning. I do appreciate so, yeah. that, man. I really do, because you know, like I said yeah, before, and and this is just not lip service, man. It's the men and women who no. who, who made these sacrifices and struggles like you have, and the struggles are real, brother. I mean, let's let's face it. Let's you know, let's just look at your checkered your your past as far as being able to you know from you know, being youth, having, having trauma in your youth childhood and then going into the military and experiences what you did and then coming out and just, just trying to, to live a normal life again, all of the things you had to endure just so that you could be where you are today. And, um, and, and, and you know this better than anybody, man, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint brother, right? It's, it's every day is, you know what? It's sometimes it's, it's one step forward, two steps back, but sometimes it's 10 steps forward, one step back. And, and we just, want to try and, and make tomorrow better than today for all of our veterans, all their family members. And, and so thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. And, um, you, you know, as well as I do, man, God works in great ways and, and he put me and you together oh, for a purpose, brother. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. I, and just like I said, in training, there's no such thing as accidents, only purpose, That's right. but we just got to recognize that purpose. So, yeah. So four months ago, I'm at my wits end. Um, I mean, I, I like to long distance shoot. I, I, you know, I like shooting competitions. I got into this cowboy. I want, I started getting into this cowboy shooting, you know, where it's, where it's all timing. It's kind of cool. You know, they got one of these little setups on stuff, but I found myself not wanting anything to do with anything. I, I, I didn't really have a purpose once again. And my wife, you know, I found 22 zero. And I don't, I guess I don't know if it was she found it or, Heard it from a friend. Heard it from a friend. Getting the Ariel Speedwagon song here. Yeah, but heard it from a friend. One way or another, I'm. That's right, brother. And and uh, one way or another, I'm there. So, and I get phone call and, and I get called by Trisha's intakes and and I got I talked to the dot too and dot calls me and she's at working. We know who we're gonna set you with. But it, it was, 
when when I answered when they answered the phone, I answered the, they had me go right to a Zoom call. They didn't want to do it over the phone. They wanted me on video. Mm-hmm. So we because I had a lot of triggers and um, and these guys are so talented. They're able to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean immediately. But anyhow. I go in there and, and they're telling me a little bit about what's going to happen. And uh, I'm not going to discuss what's happening. I, I, I can't, I, I just can't explain it. There's no words to it. And they said, this is what we're going to do. You don't have to relive the trauma. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to tell us about it. In fact, we don't want to know about it. And you're going to create your own. You're going to, you, we're going to guide you. It's kind of just like, we're going to guide you. We're basically, basically the way I took it was, is like, all I got it. They're like Tom, Tom, the old, the old <laughs> GPS in the car. Yeah. Go this far, turn. That's what they did for me. They just gave me directions, and God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was right there with them, and and just guided them, and were able to get there. So, I I, I had to go through a couple of sessions, but the first one, you know, I, well, I was a ten. I was a ten. I was a ten. I was just off the charts, and. When I when I first had my first um, let go, I think Nick describes it as 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 he could see it like lift off me, mm-hmm. just completely come off me, and and he and, and they were silent for a minute. I heard you know, and I looked on the screen and and, and I come back and and I, Dan's got a tear in his eye and and Nick's got a tear in his eye and they're like whoa, mm-hmm. and you could actually see it. And I'm like yeah, you didn't see anything, you, whatever. But then they asked me, how do you feel? And I'm like, I feel okay. And then they're like, put a feeling to that emotion. Put a feeling to that movie. Put a feeling to that. Dude, where's it? And I couldn't freaking find it, Jay. It was gone. <laughs> I knew the event. I knew it was going on. I could see it as clear as day. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't triggering nothing it wasn't pissing me off it wasn't making me want to throw my pencil across the room mm-hmm. it wasn't making me want to bang my head to the table i'm like well it, i did want to bang my head to the table because how did something like that so genuine two men so genuine so quickly disconnect something like that that i had been given every single not every single probably more literally many i think i've got 30 34 different prescriptions. I keep the bottles just, just so I can look at them of prescriptions that I had taken in counseling sessions. And I'm with these men and, and, and for, for a half an hour and I felt more relief than you had ever done from anything. Else. I, 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 I felt brand new. Awesome. I felt a purpose. I felt everything, you know, and they didn't know about my suicide attempt. They didn't know about any of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they may hear this podcast and they're going to go, Whoa, <laughs> and not know about it. And that's stuff. but we, we went through some stuff, but all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I go back and, and, and I'm, I'm guided to read Proverbs and the story's right there. And, and, and basically I'm hearing through the Holy spirit, my story in Proverbs is right there, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing this stuff and, so I got ran on, on, on the EMP side a couple of times and to get some rid of some emotions. And I, I mean, I, things came up for me that as far back as I could remember, and I don't know how old I was. It's just like one of the first memories. And, and I was like, wow, holy smokes, we can work on this. And, and yeah, I've got the memory, but I don't have the emotions tagged to it no more. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's not there. And, and it was just so relieving and, and, 
you know, I'd go down the road and somebody cut me off, you know, and, and I'd be all freaking jumping down their shit and, mm-hmm. you know, and wanting to throw snowballs at them and, you know, and tell them they're number one and all that stuff. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, so now it's like, oh, <laughs> they got cars that don't have turn signals now. That's cool. <laughs> and I just keep on driving down my road. Down, you know, it, it, that must be an option. So my mindset has completely changed. My family, my daughter, my, it's only been. I mean, we're talking four months ago. Yeah. So, and and what's interesting is, I get contacted by them about a month ago, and they said month and a half ago, and they're like, "We want you to become a coach." And I'm like, "Really?" And like, "Are you serious?" Like, "Yeah, we want you to become a coach." And I'm like, "You think I can do it?" And they said, "Oh yeah, you can do it." Mm-hmm. And it was I was in disbelief because. I had people that believed in me again. Mm-hmm. I had two men and I had two women giving me purpose mm-hmm. and my wife right there with them, giving me purpose again. It's like, I have purpose. I can, I can assist people. I don't like saying help because when I, when I hear help, I feel helpless. Mm-hmm. When, when, when I work with Jake, like I assisted you this with you know, when we went through and you assisted me because you did the work. I just helped guide you. I did the work. You helped guide me. Mm-hmm. So if I can assist people in feeling this way and feeling this good and, and do and to have this new sense of love, but not only just love, but self-love again, because I didn't have it. It was uh-huh. gone. It, it was gone. I didn't have a purpose. I was, it was weird. And now it's like, wow. Yeah, I can see why you wouldn't have a purpose. purpose. I can see why you would think that way. Again, everything was so structured for so long. And, and now I've got two men that have spent a few hours with me. And now they want me to become a coach and they want me to work with vets to assist them. And I'm like in, in first responders. And they said, yeah, you really, really do. And, and it was interesting because when I, when, when we were paired, it really blew me away. It was like, usually they try to bounce around with different people and, and with you and me being able to work and that stuff. And, and when you and I, we, we, we learned a process that, that I, I come to find out was uh, we were doing an EM. I think we were doing a different one, but we were trying to, I remember Dan telling us, is like, if you can't find the emotion or, or find this, you may have to go to EMP or, or you may have to go to the different one. I TRP. forget what it was. Yeah, TRP. TRP, EMP, go to yeah. the traumatic part of the EMP. And, but you and I sat for a minute and we found the emotion that was really there. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was buried and it was buried and you did the same thing to me. And it was like, wow, you know, it was, and it's, I just can't get it. But yeah, I want the problem. There's a stigmata here. Again, I'm going to say is, is let's get rid of the D folks. And, and the, we don't need to have disorder. You know, I have disorder on my tool bench. I don't mm-hmm. know where my 10 millimeter socket is. You know, <laughs> I, I lost another one and, and it's, that's disorder for me, you know, mm-hmm. or, I don't want it to, to, to affect my life and my brain. And I'm doing everything to keep my, my composure and not cry and, and be, but I can't help it because hey, it's tears Let of it joy. I'm elated. I'm elated, brother. I'm elated. By you this. brought and me here to tears of joy on this podcast. So I got news for you, man. You, you know, know, and it's, you and I have known each other for a, a week and, you know, we, we look at that screen there were 20 people on that podcast and there was people, I don't know, at least 15 of them were being new coaches. And, and for me and you, 
to, to come together the way that we did. I mean, you know, Hey, I got Dan and, and Nick to thank for that, but ultimately like oh, you said, it was God that put us in that room. And like you said, the, our, our first breakout session and being perfectly honest, uh, we didn't have each other. We had two different people. And then no, the second breakout absolutely. session, we, you know, they, we don't know who we're getting paired up with. We just turn our screens on and there's a person there. Right. And that's who our, our, who we're right. working with. And our second breakout session, you know, you and I got to work together and, and, like I said, it was just a, I don't know, I don't want to sound weird, but it was just, to me, it was like a, a match made for where, hey, it was just the right match. I mean, I, I felt comfortable with you instantly. And you and I, like you said, we just worked together perfectly and, and you were able to do so much for me. And I hope I was able to reciprocate to you. I, I know that oh, was, it was a blessing. Yeah, there was that one time that you and I were working on this stuff, and I saw you start to trigger, and I was like, oh, damn, I knew you were triggering, so I wanted to, to, to break you out of it, and I couldn't figure out a way to get you out because you outsmarted me. You could, you know, one of the triggers we used was what? You know, look at number 100 and count backwards from sevens, and you immediately did yeah. that. And then I said, okay, give me your telephone number backwards. You immediately did it. I said, what did you have to, you know, for dinner the last three nights? And I finally stumped you to break you, but yeah, I mean – those yeah. are just that's 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 what we do and man I, I'm with you brother I, I just feel like uh, what we learned this last week as you know and we're both officially coaches now um, is yes. just something that we can the new sense of purpose that it put into both of our lives um, we could yes. be anywhere. You know, David, we could be at a gas station, we could be at a shopping mall, and if we see somebody in distress, we have a tool in our tool belt right now that we could literally change somebody's life. And and this will never go mainstream because there's no big pharma behind it. There's no huge nope. dollars and cents to be made behind it. You know what I mean? And and so um, you could say that we're crazy, but I got news for you. Let us run. There's not a person walking the face of this earth that doesn't have some form of trauma and, and or anxiety. Let us run one session That's on you, and if you don't feel any different then tell us we're crazy and we'll go on our own way you know yeah well exactly but we what i really want to emphasize to you vets out there that are listening firefighters police officers you know 911 operators uh, nurses doctors any mm -hmm. first responders the family in any of the family associated with this this is something that doesn't cost you anything yeah doesn't cost you anything at all now there is i'm going to speak for myself because and and this may get an aha moment for some vets out there and we we're given a a stipend if you will we are given a dollar amount for having PTS, you know, where they give us X amount of dollars and it could be up to 35, $4,000 a month, you know, mm -hmm. for having it. And, and people become dependent on it. And, and, and I'm not saying that in a negative way mm -hmm. because I have, that's my source of income. Mm -hmm. And if we lose it, such as the psilocybin or, or going out and doing edibles and that stuff, you, you, you have THC, it may work from others and that stuff, but they have that in the back of your brain. Oh, no, if I get busted, I'm going to lose it. Mm -hmm. Folks, let me tell you this, is the VA doesn't have a way to reverse any of your ratings. Mm -hmm. They don't have a way, and they won't. Because just because we can, we can actually heal, and we have been given the gift, and this isn't a gift by learning. I, I honestly believe this is something God has placed mm -hmm. here. I believe it's one of the pre-flood i'm just going to say i believe it's one of the the pre-flood healings that was around before the pre that was been around for ages and ages and ages and dan 
and Nick were just able to refine it and pull it together and to get it together to find it and to listen to God mm-hmm. and do that. But I want to tell you something. You're not going to lose your money. Right. I mean, you're still going to have PTS. I have PTS. Mm-hmm. And I know you have PTS. It's not going to go away. But I don't get angry. I don't have to sit around being pissed off all day long or the slightest little thing fire me up and I'm angry. And it's just, you know, I had, you know, one of my, one of my first clients was, you know, we went straight into an EMP because, you know, we already had went the first process and we, so we need to go straight to an EMP because it was the, you could, I could sense it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, which was, which was interesting too. And we don't, we can disassociate it with it. You can have that memory all you want. Mm-hmm. Keep it. But you don't have to act on it. We can show you how. We've been coached and given a gift by God himself mm-hmm. straight through, and we've listened, and we can do it. And, you know, and, and, and people, all oh, the holy rollers and all stuff, your higher power, if you don't want to say God, your higher power, yep. it's all there. Call it Reiki. Call it shaman. Call it what you will. It works yep. and it's absolutely amazing. You won't lose your money, but imagine just like if you're, say your spouse, something you make your spouse mad, your spouse yells at you, your wife or husband, they fire off and, and that spins you up. How would you like to get yelled at by your wife or your husband and it not bother you? Yeah. And it not trigger it and not trigger something else. Yep. Just like, oh, I get it. And, and be able to talk through it because trust me, the first time my wife saw it, she was like, who are you? And what happened to my pissed off husband? Right. And, and all I can say was like, hey, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. This has worked for my daughter because my daughter, she was born through some of the hardest times of my career. Every, I mean, kids are so resilient. They bounce back, thank goodness. But they're also so porous. They suck everything mm-hmm. in. They pull. You know how that is. Mm-hmm. You got to tell yourself. She sucked in my anger, and she sucked in my anxiety, and and God bless. But Nick worked right with her, and her and I are now at totally different level. We understand one another, and I'll say that because we do. We understand that. Hey, I now get what you meant by you had anxiety and didn't know what to do with it. I understand that now. Now I can relate with you completely with how you went off and how it got better. Mm-hmm. You know, we can understand. That's the only time I agree with the word understand. We can understand the emotion. And that, and I just, and it's like when I talk to you, Jay, it, I don't know. It doesn't seem like I've only known you a week. I, I see. I feel like honestly, I've known you a long, long time. I mean, dad game, we're, we're, we were, game, we're, we're same age, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we adore the same sport. Our sons played the same sport competitively. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many things. And I don't, like I said, I don't believe in accidents, No, I agree. you know, and so all of those and, and people are like, oh, so you don't like your, you know, your service, you know, your service time. No, I would do it all over again. Now, granted, I have beat this shit out of my body. Mm-hmm. I've got it, you know, at 50 years old, I was, you know, I was supposed to go in for surgery, as you know, today, mm-hmm. but they had to cancel it. So I show up for surgery and they say, oh, you got a kidney infection. But again, I believe that was God saying, nope. And again, and then right after, literally, I'm walking outside and you call me and say, hey, you got time yep. today. I, I need you today. And it was interesting. It's like, okay, so 
who on the other end of this needs to hear this. That's right. Or gets to hear it. I don't believe in accidents. I believe in straight purpose. And and I I, I believe in, in just love, unconditional love, loving each other. We've got enough crap going on in this world. Why do we need anybody out there, anybody with the, with the folks, firefighters, police officers, all that stuff with PTS, active duty are, are still in, in working we can get your, we can work with your emotions. We can disconnect that stuff mm-hmm. for you can be a far better cop. You can be a far better operator. You can be a far better, you know, if you're in the military, you can be far better at that. And then when you go through your, your, your assessment, when, when you get out, you can still, yeah, I got PTS, mm-hmm. but I handle it, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting, but you can, I have become, in my opinion, and I've seen it in you because I've seen it in your face. Mm-hmm. I've seen it in other faces when we were going through it. You can see it's like it's you can if you look completely different. Yep. That's all I can say. You physically look different, lighter. But I mean, you, we, do. you feel lighter. Yes, absolutely. Amen. But we is this something that we don't need over our heads? Is because you know all the negative things that go on right now. They're doing everything they can to blame it on somebody who's had a traumatic instance or had a traumatic life. And, oh, that's what caused them to go bad. Mm-hmm. That's what caused them to break bad. We can, we don't need that upon us, you know? And that's what another thing that makes people, well, I don't want to tell anybody that I don't feel right or I have emotions about this because when it comes right down to it, they may think that, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm screwed up and I'm not going to do nothing. So they sit and do nothing about it. When all you gotta do is get online, go to twenty two zero dot dot net. Or I'm sorry, dot org, dot org, yep. dot org, and fill out a questionnaire, and someone will be in contact with you soon. And and believe me, it's it saved me. And it may not work with for you. It may it may you know it, it may be something that, that you can't get into. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But you have a hundred percent chance of failure if you don't try. Absolutely. You have a 50-50 chance if you just pick up that keyboard. And, and believe me, everyone's got smartphones. You don't have to have a computer. Right. It works right through the smartphone, you know, a phone. Even a flip phone, it'll work on that too. <laughs> you and I still have those, right? Oh, yeah, I do. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. They're easy. That's funny. I, I actually got a jitterbug. I got four <laughs> phone numbers on it. <laughs> nice. Well, man, I, I, I can't thank you enough for, I mean, <laughs> this is like one of the best podcasts because again, if you can't, if you can't relate to David and his story, you can't relate to anything. I mean, it's, uh, here's someone who was down and out in the, in, in the worst part of his life and was able to, you know, fight through it. And, and like you said, you had a great support system in your wife and your children for that matter. Also, I mean, I, I guarantee you they had to play a, a big role in, in your recovery, but well, hallelujah. um, but you know, you found it. And, and now I am so excited to hear that. What are you going to do? Start. Well, I should say you started it really. You started it the day after we were done training and and you became, I don't want to call it certified, but you're now a coach. I'm a coach. Um, You're going to do this for the rest of your life, right? Amen. Yeah. This is, I, this is my calling. I believe because I can relate with people you know, on, on all levels. And, and it's just not on all levels. I, you know, I don't know what it's like to jump into a burning fire. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but I can relate to trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters is trauma and stress. I can relate to it. And I do believe this is what I'm going to do it. I mean, I, I, I know I'm retired now and I'm going to volunteer my time right back and just 
this is what I can do. And, and to be able to rest at night and know that I at least helped someone or, or gave them a chance and, and, or, you know, and not look back on it, but it, that's just so fulfilling, mm-hmm. so fulfilling, you know, to, to go through this and, and to do, and then, and then if I'm having, you know, a difficulty time, I can pick the phone up folks and I can have another coach online with me instantaneously. Yep. Boom, snap of the finger, and we will we'll do it right there on the spot. And if they can't answer, we will find a coach that will, and we'll we'll get through to it, get through to the through your issues. But I'll tell you, like I said, you have a hundred percent failure rate if you don't attempt something. You attempt it at least you got 50-50 chance. But I think the odds are a whole lot better than 50-50, if I, I'm not correct, right? I would agree wrong. with you. I would agree with you on that one, brother. I, I really do. So again, if if you're listening to this show <clears> and, and you'd like to work even with David as your coach, um <laughs> Like you said, go to 220.org, um, fill out the form, and just let Dr. Pam Arnell know that, or Tricia, that you want to work with with David, uh, that you heard his podcast and you'd like to work with him. And he'll, David, you yourself are going to call him and you're going to run him through the protocol. I mean, and uh, and like you said, if, if for some reason you're not a good fit, something, you know, you have resources at your fingertips with with Dan and and Nick and, and yes. Dr. Pam and any any of the other coaches, myself. I mean, you and I, yes. who knows, maybe you and I will jump onto a call and we'll we'll together, we'll tag team uh, a veteran and, and be able to to make tomorrow better than today for them. So um, it, it's amazing. And, and thank you for, for, this is it. This is your, your, your new life is going forward. You're going to do this. I'm going to continue to work on, on both of my nonprofit organizations, but you're going to do this full time going forward. And, and like you said, it gives you such a, a sense of purpose. And, and I just can't say thank you enough. Cause like you said, you finally found something that not only, you know, helped you or cured you, but also now you're able to take that, that thing that cured you and now go pay it forward to other veterans, first responders, like you said, dispatchers, doctors, nurses, you name it. Um, you know, it's, you're going to make tomorrow better than today for a lot of people going forward. And I can't say thank you enough. So with that being said, I I wanted to just ask you, um, what would you say to a veteran or a family member of a veteran who's listening right now, who's struggling with post-traumatic stress? It's, I would say it's, it's common. It's, it's the most common illness out there. And it's not, it's, and I say it's an illness because we can get better from Mm -hmm. it. It's not, you know, it's not terminal. Um, Don't be afraid. If if you're worried about the financial aspect of it, don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. You're not going to lose it. Um, You can, like I said, and I, this is one of my sayings, a hundred percent failure. If you don't attempt 50, 50, if you don't, you know, don't try it. It's 20 minutes, you know, just, uh, sit down. This isn't something though. You can be on the road driving. No. If you, you know, the coaches and that stuff, we can be, but we, we need you focused. We need you sitting in a nice comfy spot and just to be able to focus and we can give it a whirl. But folks, PTS is no joke. It is very bad. And it, and it, and it, it not only does it affect you mentally, but it will cause epilepsy. I know mm-hmm. for a fact, cause it, I have it. It can cause other ailments hypertension, heart disease, you name it, it can affect it because you're, you have no way to release it. Now, imagine if you get rid of that stress. Like I said, you're not going to forget your memories. You're going to have them. Mm-hmm. They're going to be there. You just won't have reactions to it. Now, imagine that's all taken care of, folks. Yep. Now we can work on other things. If you heal one, your body will follow. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Um, any other parting words? I just want to say thank you, Jay. I want to thank 
to each and every veteran out there, and especially the spouses, Mm -hmm. the spouses of the veterans. We, as the active duty members, are the ones deploying. We had the easy part. We went out and did our job. The wives and the husbands, the spouses that stayed behind to take care of the children, to make sure that the, the deployed members the deployed loved ones, family members didn't hear the bad news and, or that, you know, someone, one of the children, God forbid, or, or aren't doing well in school. Those parents and those spouses that are taken care of, they're just as much as important as a military member. And then there's men and women like Jay folks, these people that may have not served, but will give their life just to get the word out there and do whatever it takes to help them to make sure that they're free and that's their way of serving. In my mind, you're just as much as a veteran as anybody that I've ever served with, Jay. Thank you, brother. That means a lot to me. It really does. And <clears throat> I know you and I have talked a lot and, and I'm just, I'm grateful to, to be a friend of yours and and I can't wait to, to start our journey ahead together. Um, you know, you and I talked about, uh, Originally, we're going to we're going to get you on one of the episodes of the TV show because it's important for me to to provide this not only for you and to, to honor you in, in a way that I feel you absolutely deserve to be honored, but to preserve your legacy for future generations, whether it be your kids or your kids, wow. kids or whatever that might be for my kid to be able to understand that, that <clears throat> what David sacrificed for our freedom, it's important for me. And so, um, you know, we're we're starting to film our, our season eight here in 2023 and and unfortunately we've already got everything booked for this season however you and i have talked about 2024 uh, I'd, I'd love to have you on season nine and, and share your story on the, on the television show and we'll film for two days we'll only get 23 minutes of airtime but i've got some producers that work magic and and they're big believers in this stuff so Again, I can't I'd say thank you enough for your friendship, brother, and, and your family, um, your wife, your kids. Uh, God bless them, and and thank you for sharing your story. It means a lot. I appreciate it, and thank you for having me on, and and thank you for all your hard work and your dedication. And that I just it means a lot to me. Again, there's no accidents. There's there was a reason that God put us together. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Thank you again, David. I appreciate it. Um, we're gonna wrap up the show here by just uh i always mention life's a journey sometimes it's uh can be a struggle and and there's always somebody out there guys like david uh organizations like 220 someone out there wants to help you so if you're listening to the show and you're struggling and like david you felt that uh you know there was no place to turn there is there's some place to turn there's organizations and and people that want to help so Post-traumatic stress is a silent killer, but there are ways of healing. Uh, Please reach out. If you want more information on today's podcast, uh, please visit our website, operationhealingheroes.org. And until next week, when we feature another veteran and tell their story, uh, hope everyone goes off and has a great week. Uh, Thank you, and God bless our veterans and their families. This week's Veterans Resource, Nonprofit of the Week, is 22-0. We believe there's a better way to heal trauma and unhelpful negative emotions, not teach you to cope with them. The Trauma Resiliency Protocol, TRP, is for post-traumatic stress and acute stress. The Emotions Management Process, EMP, is for extreme negative triggers involving unhelpful emotions like sadness, anger, or shame, often accompanying traumatic or significant emotional events. During these therapies, 
You're not required to discuss the trauma. Everything centers around the triggered emotions. They become malleable when active. We change the state of the emotions, not the memory. There are no cost or fees associated with veteran coaching. Best of all, you can do the work remotely in the comfort of your own home. Visit www.220.org for more information. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com and by Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's gonna be great.